All right, I am really, really excited tonight. That was a lot of babies. Like, they lined it from one end of this thing to the other. That, that is awesome. Um, I love, love kids. Um, we have four of them. This is my amazing wife, Amanda, for those of you guys who don't know. Um, and I'm really excited because she gets to be up here with me tonight, and that is a rare treat for me. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. I know I will. Um, she I love seeing all the babies and the kids here. I love seeing parents being able to cuddle their kids during service. It's so fun. Um, as I got thinking, I'm like, all right, so, so there's going to be tons of, of babies and, and these families. And we got thinking, babies are exciting. Babies come into the world with nothing and bring so much. They bring joy. They bring excitement. They bring wonder. They bring awe. They bring sleepless nights. They bring questions. They have plenty of whys that they bring, but they also bring mom and dad's questions of, what do I do with you? Whether it's because they wanted to show you their masterpiece work of art that they drew on the wall with poop, or <laughs> that may have been one of mine, um, or whether... Multiple times. Yes. Uh, quite an artist. Um, <coughs> but they, ha- they, they bring um, all of these different things, but so often, a- as a parent, the one thing you wish they brought, they don't. You really wish they came out with an owner's manual. Um, because if you have one kid, you're in for surprises because it's number one, and you thought you knew what you were doing, but then you have a kid and you realize you didn't. But then you have your second one, and you think you know what you're doing because you had one, and then you discover they are different. Those that are laughing are those that have multiple kids because we've got four, and it is amazing how different all of them can be. And as, as we we're talking about what, as, as we're getting to share with the church, with the family, with those that are, are excited to dedicate their baby and to go, God, we're giving our child to you and we're determined that we're going to do this God's way. So what is it that we want to share? I said, you know, I don't remember who it was that said it first, but I'm just going to quote somebody mysterious. Um, one of the best things that you can do for your kids is work on your marriage. And if you can have a healthy marriage, it is one of the greatest gifts that you can give your kids. Um, as I got thinking about this, um, I started looking at some of these principles going, all right, what would, what would we share? And realized that the principles that will set you up to have a strong and healthy marriage will help you be a strong and healthy single person too. So if you're in here and you are president of the Single for Life Club, welcome. We're glad you're here. Don't feel left out. Because that which we're going to share will bless you, will help you um, where you're at as well. Um, a lo- you, you started to lift the mic. We just talked about how these principles are great for any relationships, whether it's with your parents, with your kids, with your neighbor. There's just so many principles that can be applied to any relationship. And when you're raising kids, you're raising them to have a relationship with you and to eventually leave the nest to have relationships with others as adults too. A lot of times there is this magical marriage myth that we think that if you're single, you have single people problems. And then you get married and magically all of your single problems go away and you get married and now you're only going to deal with married problems. Okay, that is an erroneous myth brought to you by Disney. Um, (laughs) 
And, and not intentionally, but how does the Disney movie end? They fight like horrible odds, and whether it's an evil dragon or stepmother or something weird that, that Disney put together, they fight this horrible thing and it ends and they live. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, all of life's challenges that you just had ended, unless so many people saw that, that it's worth making a sequel. But they, they put this myth out there and oftentimes we buy into it on accident. And we get this idea that, well, once I get married, all of these issues will go away and married people have separate problems. But that's not the case. And so these principles are true whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're wishing you were married, or whether you're planning to stay single. Um, Willie George said it really well. He says, people, most people don't have marriage problems. He said, most people have single problems and get married. He said that, that, that insecurity, anger, pride, lust, poor money management, poor communication skills, they aren't marriage problems. Those are single problems. And if you get married, if you haven't dealt with them, you just bring them right along with you. And marriage doesn't, doesn't magically make things disappear. It just gives some, it brings somebody else into the equation and makes it bigger. So if you're happy and you get married, it makes it better. If you have anger issues and you get married, it will put it to the test. If you have money management problems and you get married, now it's their money that you're having money management problems with and it causes problems. But what we do, single, we bring into what we're doing married. So the best time to work on your marriage is 10 years ago. The next best time is today. And um, with that, I want to not take forever, so we're going to jump into things. Um, the most important thing for your marriage, the very most important thing for your life is your foundation. Um, it is uh, the absolute most important thing. And I'm going to tell a story before my wife gets to tell stories on me. Okay, so um, I, I've shared this before, but this, this paints this picture so clearly. I wanted to give a chance for you guys to all see this. A few years back, um, I was on call in my office. A couple walks in. They say, hey, they want to talk to a pastor. I come, come up there. I'm like, oh. And I walk in, and the, this lady is like emotionally distraught. And this fella looks like a giant ice cube. And he is just like, I'm here. I'm like, well, that, she drug you. She drugged you. I don't know, but she got him here. And so I, I sit down, I'm like, so what's going on? And she is just like in tears and she's like, he, does, he just wants a divorce and he doesn't want to work on things. And, and she's, she's laying out that there's lots of issues that have got them to this point and, and she's just very upset. And I'm going to talk to him and he's just like, I'm done. I'm done with it. And we start talking. He's like, sure, you know what? Maybe if we worked really, really hard on this, we could make some progress. But he's like, it was never good. It was never worth it. Why would I fight for that? And, and he's just going on. And in my humanity, I'm sitting there going, God, what do I do? What do I, you look at them and you're like, I, I can't fix this. Like, I can't, like, he doesn't want to have a conversation, much less work on it. And things went really well. And I credit God for things going really well because 
As we're sitting there, I just begin to ask him a really, really simple question. I'm like, okay, he doesn't really want to talk about the marriage, so let's just start really simple. I said, do you believe in God? He's like, okay, this is not about my wife. I can answer this question. Yes, yes, I believe in God. I'm like, all right, good, good. All right, we're, we're, we're making progress. Do you believe that God loves you? Well, yeah. John 3, 16, oh, for God so loved the world. That he gives the only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm like, okay, we got that down. Do you believe <coughs> that God wants the best for you? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He's like, okay. Do you believe that God is smarter than you? And he's like, well, yeah. The Bible says, Isaiah 55, 9, that God's ways are higher than your ways, size the heavens are above the earth. I'm like, okay, so you believe in God. You believe he's smarter than you, he loves you, and wants the best for you. Yep. What does God say about your marriage? He's like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> he wasn't so, so, so happy with where, where, where this went, but we started talking about it, and, and he's like, but, but it was never good. I said, okay, but what does God say? He's like, well, God says that he hates divorce. And he, like, he, he'd, he'd been in church enough, he, he knew some of the basics of what God says about marriage, and I said, okay, well, are you a Christian? Are you, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? And he looks at me, and we, we talk about this for a bit, and he's like, finally, he's like, yeah, I want to honor God. He's like, I don't really want to be married to her, but I want to honor God. I'm like, okay, well, if you want to honor God, and you don't think it's worth it, but God loves you, wants the best for you, and smarter than you, and he says that you're supposed to love your wife, and this is what's supposed to come next, you get to decide who's the boss. And he's he ponders this for a little bit, and then we talk a bit more, and he decides, all right, I'm going to honor God, and I'm going to do this God's way. And I'm like, God, you, you do miracles. And they, they leave, and about two weeks later, they come back, and he's like, it's still bad. <laughs> like, it, it, honestly, it took years to get that bad. Like, it's, it's probably not going to turn around with a magic wand. Um, but but I, 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 I talked with him and I said, all right, so it's still bad, but did God change his mind? Well, no. Does God still love you? Does God still want the, the best for you? And does, is God still smarter than you? Well, yeah. Have you given your life to God? Is he the Lord? Well, yeah. All right, then what does he say? And we walked back through this. Next time I hear from them, it was a card that I still have in my office that just had a big smiley face thank you, and their signatures. And then they sent me another one like a year later with a gift card to Olive, the Olive Garden. I was like, woohoo, yay. Um, thank, thank you for appreciative people. And, uh, but I, I bumped into them again in Costco and they were just so changed because the foundation, when he said, oh, it's not about how do I feel, it's not about what do I want right now, it's about what does God say and I'm gonna do things God's way and it completely changes everything. And there's so many good books and there's so many communication skills and leadership books that I feel like there's all these options of, oh, we'll work on this aspect of your marriage, a fear-proof your marriage, all good things. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't come down to the Lord being your foundation, it's not going to be worth it to you in the end. So we start how important that is to say, I don't care how I feel. I don't care how much angry you make me. I don't care what our issues are. God, I desire to honor you and I will lay down my life 
for you, Lord, because you laid down your life for me, and I will make this work. Um, Amanda and I had very different upbringings. Um, I was going to let her share her story. Right here. We can both see each other's notes. It's kind of fun. I'm, I can mess with them. Um, but you're, you're broke, period. Um, yeah, just our... When I, we got married, I thought, it'll be good. Because, you know, why else would you get married? But I never expected it to be great. I didn't think... Like, in my mind, he is going to be mean at some point. He is probably going to cheat on me at some point. I had a lot of really crappy expectations. <laughs> I am still amazed that she married me. Like, like, we get married and she's like, wow, you're really nice. That surprised me. You're really, I'm like, why did you marry me if you thought this was what it's going to be? Just, I just, in my mind, marriage was hard and it was going to be a lot of work. And I figured I'd be willing to work it through it, but I just, I didn't think it would be that fantastic. And so for us to be able to be a couple that chose to truly want to honor God, regardless of how we feel, regardless of what we think, regardless of my upbringing, you know, like I grew up as a yeller, <laughs> but I knew I didn't want to do that. Um, I grew up assuming the worst of people, which is not the way to go in any relationship. So I had to really decide, okay, God, my natural inc inclination is to say, you are a villain before you even open your mouth. <laughs> but I have to say, okay, God, I know that's not what you have for me. I know that's not what your word says, that I'm supposed to be loving. I'm supposed to believe the best. So I had to choose in my heart to make that decision to say, okay, before I open my mouth, <laughs> I have to start believing the best. I have to start thinking the best. I have to say, God, what you say counts more than what I feel, more than what I think right now. There were many times in our marriage where I would just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I'm like, okay, God, how do you, and I'd pray under my breath. I'd just say, okay, God, how do you see this situation? What, what should I be saying in this situation to make it better? Because in my natural mind, I don't have anything to say that makes anything better. <laughs> <laughs> I am fleshly, I am selfish, and I have been hurt. And a lot of times we see things through our, this lens of hurt, through this lens of our past experiences that changes the way we operate and changes the way we react to other people. And I knew that Daniel loved me. I knew that he wanted to honor God above all else. And that literally made our marriage from the get-go so amazing. Like, we've had disagreements. It's not that we don't disagree, but we've never had these huge, drawn-out fights that I've heard so often that I grew up believing was normal. We were able to change my normal by doing things God's way. It, it was, it's amazing because we look back, and there was a lot of dysfunction in, like, her entire world. It wasn't just like, hey, there, but everywhere that she'd ever seen. And it put this expectation on things, but when we were able to go, it's not my way and your way, it's, hey, we're going to do things God's way. It changes things. See, Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells a story that a lot of us have heard. Now, it's this little parable. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. He built his house on a rock, and the winds came, and the rains fell, and the house stood strong. And he says, 
there's a foolish man. It's the man who hears these words of mine, or the one who hears these words and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The winds came, and the floods came, the rain fell down, and the house came down with a crash. And somehow in like my brain, I twisted it for a long time as the good person didn't have problems because they obeyed God. And the person who doesn't put God's word to practice doesn't, you know, has massive problems. And then one day as I was reading it, it was like, wait, who, had, who, who encountered a storm? Both of them. It wasn't that the person who did things God's way avoided all storms, but his house stood strong because it was built on a rock. Anyone ever go camping? Anyone ever be out camping when a storm shows up? Okay, how the same storm affects you when you're in a tent versus in your house is a world of difference. You can be out there and it's, you know, it's a little mild storm and you're in your tent and you're like, what is going on? And your tent's leaking and you're like trying to get all your stuff away from the side so your stuff doesn't get all wet and you're like, what am I doing out here? And anyways, you're at home and there's like a massive storm and you're like, just like looking out the window, you're like, isn't this cool? All right, let's cuddle up. And like, it's not a big deal because you're inside of a solid foundation and you feel secure and protected. When we decide that we're going to build our life on God's word, it is not the promise of Disney that you're going to live happily ever after and never encounter another obstacle. But what it says is no matter what the obstacles are that come, you now have a solid foundation to walk through the storms rather than let the storms knock you flat. And it changes the way that you do marriage. Um, <coughs> Barna did some research a while back that, like, I, don't know, I just love this, this study they did. They said, all right, why do you do things? What is the moral compass that you have? What is it that guides your ethical decisions? And so they made it multiple choice and asked people. They said, okay, no. Okay, now I'm going to actually play this game with you. I'm not going to make you answer me, but I want you to answer in your head, okay? So option A, <clears throat> reasons for your moral choices. 44% uh, of people decided that it was whatever will bring them the most pleasure or satisfying results. Option B, they had 17% say, what they believe will make other people happy or minimize interpersonal conflict. Option C, they credit the values they were taught by their families as the dominant influence on their moral considerations. Option D, uh, lean primarily upon religious principles and teaching or biblical content when making moral decisions. A, B, C, and D. You go, where, what is it that guides your decisions? And I ask couples this in pre-marriage counseling all the time. And I am surprised how many people who've grown up in church their whole life will look at me and go, you know, A, I make my decisions based on what I think will make me happy. Or B, I make my decisions based on what will keep, help me avoid conflict. And it's, it's really cool because so often when we get asked these kind of questions in a church setting, we just go, Jesus! Like, what was the question? I don't know. But the answer is probably Jesus. And so like, we throw it out there, but we don't actually ponder the question. And so often this like, just the study just kind of gets them to stop and go, oh, well, let me think. Like, why do I actually do things? Let me look at what I'm actually doing and does God approve of it? They're like, well, no, but it makes me happy. So I do it. And 
they look and I said, okay, well, the Bible says that the one that you obey is the one that you've made your master. In Romans chapter 6, verse 16. Jesus said in Matthew 6 that you can only have one master. You're either going to love the one and hate the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and. He says money, but it, you can't serve God and self. You can't serve God and other people's opinion. You can't serve God and. And this, this sets up everything. Because now this is the why behind what I do. Um, Proverbs 3, 5. You want to go there, love? Yeah, there's so often where we try to look other places for our fulfillment or for our reasoning to do things. And I just love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And it just reminds me again of the moments in my life where my flesh wants to have a say in our relationship, where we're having a disagreement, and I'm starting to not understand, and so I try to lean on my own understanding, but I have to remember in those moments when I start getting irritated, when I start um, not seeing him the way that God sees him, that I have to stop and I say, okay, God, I will not lean on my own understanding. I'm acknowledging you right now, and I literally pray under my breath and say, I want to acknowledge you so that you will direct my path, direct our conversation. So, because disagreeing isn't bad. It's how you disagree that matters. It's, a, it's healthy to disagree, but it's not healthy to fight. You know, we want to be able to do that in a way that uplifts and encourages each other, in a way that says, I may not agree with you, but I love you anyway. And where we can come back together and say, regardless of our disagreements, we lean on God, not on our own understanding. Ephesians chapter 5 is, is this amazing, has this amazing section on marriage. And it says something that, <clears throat> that sets this up. It says, um, starts out, verse 21, it says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. It says, Sub submit to one another out of reverence for each other. Because they're awesome. Because you feel like it right now. No, it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then when it tells her to honor the husband, it doesn't say honor the husband because he is stinking awesome and never makes mistakes. He's pretty close. Um, it doesn't say, husbands, love your wife because that's what you really want to do right now. It says, Hus you know, wives, love your, or honor your husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as to Christ loved the church. And what this does is it removes my feelings and it removes her performance from the equation. See, I am no longer, I am not released from my responsibilities towards her because I don't feel like it. I am not released from what God has called me to do because right now I'm angry or because I'm annoyed or because she didn't do something that she was supposed to do. And it changes it because all of a sudden, now, <clears throat> She doesn't have to worry about going, well, is he going to do something stupid because right now he doesn't feel like loving me because we just had a conflict over A, B, C, and D. Because she looks and goes, 
His faithfulness to me isn't based on his feelings towards me. It's based on his foundation on God. We can go through, we can disagree about anything because we can come back to, she's not going to walk out because we disagree. We're going to come back because we both want to honor God. So I can go to anything, whatever the problem and go, well, we're going to work this out because it's not about how she feels. Because if it was just about how she feels, then at some point she wouldn't feel like working through a situation. Because you do the things that you do because you thought, you thought it was a good idea or because you liked it. Obviously, she either thinks it's a good idea or she liked it. Um, if she doesn't think it's a good idea, if she doesn't like it, I really don't need to bring it up anyways because she doesn't want to do it again anyhow. But when, when we have this foundation, all of a sudden it allows us to take on this issue because I have confidence that you want to do what's right, that you want to honor God, and we're going to fall back on that, and I can trust that we're going to work through this. Same thing when you are going through anything in your marriage or your relationships as well. Like we had our um, second son eight weeks early, and he was in the hospital for almost a month. That was a really big strain on me as a person, (laughs) Um, let alone on our marriage. But because we had that foundation built on Christ, because we'd made that decision ahead of time, it was so much easier to navigate the storms when they come. So we've also had some financial things. I don't remember the exact numbers because I don't want to (laughs) know. But we lost a lot of money in an investment. Um, But because, again, we made God our foundation, it doesn't matter what is happening in our life around us. It doesn't matter what storms are coming our way because we trust in God anyway. We know that God is going to take care of us regardless of what the outcome is. So we're able to choose to love each other and walk through that together. In fairness, when she says we lost a lot of money, that's not just, that's not like, okay, that's life. But what made it an impressive view of foundation was we had had a conversation, which I misunderstood. My bad. Um, And in that conversation, she didn't want to invest in it, but I took it as she doesn't like any kind of risk, and so it was like, do whatever you think you should do. And so my action did not reflect the conversation in the way that it should have. And it was, in the result, it was a goodbye of 40% of a year's salary. And so, but here's where I've seen people over far less turn into this horrible fight and ugliness when we had this conversation, it wasn't that we were rolling in money now, but the conversation goes, oh, you did what? This. That's what we said. No, this is what I said. Oh, I'm sorry. Hmm. You're forgiven. And that was our conversation over me mis- following a miscommunication and a massive chunk of money for us being gone. But because it wasn't about how do I feel? wasn't about the security that's in the money. It's about going, we're going to honor God, and it changes things. But it doesn't change what storms may come, but it changes how you perceive the same storm. That being said, your foundation is number one. The number two thing, which I I wanted to at least get to number two, okay? Uh, Number two, this is what you, you share earth with other human beings, If this is news to you, look around. But you share the earth, and so what you are going to need to do is communicate. Is that fair? Um, Because you're going to have different challenges. You're going to have different problems. We all have problems. And the way that we navigate them is through communication. 
And so communicating in marriage is number two. You need a a foundation on Jesus. You need a foundation that doesn't shake. And then how you communicate is so important. And right now, culturally, this is a massive uh, fail where people would rather not communicate about difficult subjects. And so often they don't communicate about different subjects. They just pretend they didn't happen. They just ignore them. They just ice them. They stuff them until they erupt. And there's all these methods of dealing with conflict that are all ways to not deal with the conflict. Um, And this this happens a lot. Yeah, it's important in our communication to assume the best of other people, whether that's our spouse, whether that's our parent, whether that's our child, whether whoever it is, because that, you know, the Bible talks about, it says Proverbs 9, 9, instruct the wise and they will be even wiser. Teach the righteous and they will learn even more. Our expectations should be, maybe you blew it, but I'm sure you want to learn from this. I'm not coming at you to attack you. I'm coming at you to say, hey, you made me feel whatever, or what you did, I don't like it. And having these conversations, I have lost friends that I really valued because they didn't come and tell me that I upset them, they just left me. Um, And that's really hard. And there was a couple of friendships in particular who would tell me, oh, you know, like, you're so different, you're so great. My other friend was so bad, and we're not friends anymore. And I just thought, oh, that was really rough until I became that other friend too. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, we really want to be able to help people grow. Like, if I do something, I want someone to tell me. Like, I always want to learn. I always want to change and grow and become a better person. And we need to assume that, that about our spouse as well and about our close relationships. But that also means that we need to think, okay, if someone corrects me, I need to be teachable and I need to be the type of person that can receive that so that they feel comfortable enough to come to you and communicate the problem that they're having or the way that they're feeling and how important that is. And the Bible talks over and over about how God corrects those he loves and how correction shouldn't be viewed as a negative thing, but it should be viewed as an opportunity to grow and learn and better yourself. We have to have a way to communicate with people. The Bible says, Jesus says to people, he said, if your brother sins against you, go and talk to him. Go and talk to him alone. Um, Don't try to get and rally forces to come against the person that you're offended. And this is true if this is at work. This is true if this is with your neighbor or this is true if this is with your spouse. Don't go and rally your parents to go, all right, let's all gang up on my spouse because I disagree with them. But... There has to be a way to deal with issues because a lot of people have what I would call no-go zones or landmines in their marriage. Um, and let me, let me explain what one of these can look like. Uh, um, we'll just talk about Bob and Sue. So, so Bob and Sue are married and, and they're, they're getting things figured out and Bob is like, you know what? I'm going to be a hero today. I'm going to be awesome. My wife normally does the dishes. I'm going to do all the dishes and I'm going to help out and it's going to be awesome. My wife is going to be so grateful. This is this, this brownie points right here. And he's excited and he, he washes the dishes and he gets them done and wife comes out from wherever she's been and, and she looks at her and he's, he's like all proud of this. He's, he's like, yeah, this is, this is good. This is good. I'm just waiting for her to come and notice and thank me and 
brownie points. And she comes out and she's like, did you, did you, did you wash that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Look at all this stuff. You missed this and missed that and missed this. And like she begins to, to berate his washing of the dishes. Now at this point, Bob who was excited to be the hero, just discovered that by attempting to be the hero, he became the villain. And he is feeling about this big right now. He's like, I just feel like mom just scolded me for the way that I washed the dishes. Now, what often happens is Bob goes, that was a fail. Never do the dishes again. And he sets this little like landmine that goes, this is not safe. Washing the dishes backfires. Now, instead of going, wow, I was, I was trying to help. The way that you said that made me feel like a little kid who was getting scolded by his mom. Um, he goes through and just goes, oh, I just won't do dishes again. Well, then, then he walks away. Well, if that was the only no-go zone, if it was the only landmine in their marriage, it probably wouldn't be a very big deal. But what happens is frequently there's this, this problem that occurs and someone goes, I don't feel safe talking about this, so I'm just going to avoid this section, this area. And it might be washing the dishes. It might be when we talked about politics and I thought they were going to eat my head off or when we talked about this, like whatever it is, but they end up with all these little pockets and all of a sudden their home is like navigating a minefield. They're like, and they have different expressions for it. Some people say, well, we had to walk around eggshells around them because any of these sub subjects were liable to set them off. And it wasn't that any of them were actually massive. It was that if you don't actually deal with an issue, it doesn't make it go away. Just going and going, well, I just won't talk about it, doesn't deal with the issue. We have to have a way to lovingly Talk about it. It talks about in Proverbs 27, 15, how a woman is like a continuous dripping and how we have a way of bringing out the best in our spouse or we have a way of making him feel like a scolded child. And I have four kids, so I totally understand how you can sometimes get in this mode of, no, 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 <laughs> I have to go potty now. You know, you're just going to get this child speech. But we have to be really careful not to use that with our spouses or with our friends. We don't just say, oh, I can't believe you did that. That is not right. But having this attitude of, I love you and I am grateful. And if he really does a horrible job of dishes, there might be a like, oh, well, let me help you show you how to do that. But it needs to be in a loving way. It needs to be in a way that's honoring and not right then when he's trying to be like, look how wonderful I'm, you know, I'm trying to be helpful. I'm trying to be great. Um, we don't want to be naggy. We want to be having conversations. No, it's different than the sarcastic, like, oh yeah, if ever you, you ever going to get to that or not? Or, oh great, here he goes again. You know, if something is really bothering you, you need to stop in that moment and you need to say, hey, can we talk for a minute? And make it into a conversation, not make it into this annoyance that you pack down and comes out with sarcastic little picks here and there. Yeah, so often nitpicking is the result of not dealing with a bigger issue. So you point out every other issue because you didn't want to deal with the real hard issue. But as, as we look at this, and I've got way more notes than time, so I'm going to just bring this together going, you want 
to grow as people. You want to grow closer together. And if you ignore everything, then you don't grow and you end up with landmines all over. And I have talked with people who describe their marriage and it like breaks my heart because they come home and he has a man cave where he goes and hides as soon as he gets home to avoid the landmines. Or they sit here and they have separate TV setups so that they can avoid each other. And I'm like, you, you, you have a, like a shared tax status, but you avoid each other. And then others who are like, well, I'll, pull, I'll help them. I'll tell them what they did. And they berate each other and they try to use everybody else's opinion to overpower, to bash their spouse. But that doesn't make you feel safe. That doesn't make you feel comfortable. You want the people you love most to love being with us. And if we make them a safe place and go, you know what? Hey, let's deal with this together. Let's work through this. Let's talk. Let me not bash how you messed it up, but here's, hey, when this happened, this is how I felt. And that, you know, when, you, when, you, when this got said, I was hurt. And it allows them to navigate through something without um, going on the defense. Because if, um, when someone attacks, the most natural response is to get defensive. But when someone goes, hey, when th this happened, this is how I felt, then it's almost natural to go, how can I help? Oh, wait, I help by dealing with my own issues? Oh, great. Then I can be the hero and deal with that selfish jerk who I see in the mirror. Um, and we can deal with some of these issues and we can grow closer together. Can I get the, the band to come back up? Um, as the, uh, marriage is huge, uh, relationships are huge, it's a, it's a massive part of life. We, we, did, we made it through some. Um, we want to pray for all of the different relationships that are represented in the room. But before we do, as we talked about the foundation being number one, if you don't have a foundation on Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to say today, no matter if my answer was category A, B, C, or D, no matter if I, I make decisions for, have been making them for myself, whether I've been making them to, to minimize interpersonal conflict or just based on whatever my family would approve of, but I want to make things to honor God. I want to live for him. I want him to be my Lord. I want to receive his forgiveness. I want to give you an opportunity to make him your Lord right now. Can everyone bow their heads and close your eyes? If that's you, you say, today, I want to make Jesus my Lord. When I say three, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and say, that's me. Awesome. I see your hand and I see your hand. Who else says, that's me? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. All right, saw a couple hands. All right. Another one back there. All right. The Bible, Jesus, we, we have very clear instructions. He says, if you'll call on my name. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to call on his name. We're going to declare him to be our Lord. And he promised to meet you where you're at, to forgive you, and to start this relationship. So whether you raised your hand or you've done that before, go ahead and join us as we pray, as we declare him to be Lord. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe 
that you died and rose again. I choose to follow you. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.